0: listening to the deep roots podcast where we're all about giving you the confidence to move beyond pain and into performance my name is Lance Enerson and I'm your host Hey guys, welcome back to the Deep Roots podcast with me, Lance Enerson. I just wanna take a minute to thank all of you guys for your feedback and for taking the time to spend it here with me, having these conversations mostly about the breath and the way that it can absolutely change your performance. And I'm so grateful for all of you who actually signed up or got on the early bird list for the Breathwork uh, template program, which is gonna be coming out here in, I don't know how many days that is on june 17th so that's coming up here pretty quick um just in case you missed the memo, you can get on there for half price for your first three months. So that makes that only 750 a month for an absolutely amazing breathwork program that can change the way that you perform and the way that you view performance to actually change your complete paradigm on the way that you're approaching uh, your fitness and the way that you're attacking just you know your workouts and the training for your sports. Um, so today, what we're actually talking about is kinda it's kinda of related to that. And it's just where does breath work actually fit in the performance puzzle? Okay. Because We have all of this, um, you know, all these people that are throwing these different things at us, like, hey, you need to try this thing, you need to try this program, you need to buy my thing, so that you can be better at what you're doing, right? It's just that it's that classic sales tactic of it, you are at point A, you want to be at point B, I'm going to sell you the bridge. And that's not necessarily what I'm trying to do uh, today with you. But I want to show you where Breathwork actually fits, because it actually covers a lot of the things that people are trying to sell in uh, through other programs of like, hey, we're going to change your performance by doing this. Like, okay, well, you don't need a supplement for that. You don't need a detox for that. You need to breathe better and it's going to make you better at that thing because it's your foundation. It's the most fundamental movement and process that we, you know, we take part in every single day. So my question to you is how do you build performance? I mean, true performance. Okay, And I want you to really think about that for a second. Like, how do you actually build performance? What, what are the steps? How do you approach that process of increasing your ability to perform you know we we talk mostly about physical things here uh, you know whether that's on the field or the competition floor but how do you perform how do you improve your performance at anything right and it's that you always always no exceptions you have to shore up your fundamentals you have to make sure that your foundation is strong That is the framework that you have to start with the basics. And if your basics are not on point, then everything else that you want to build on top of that is going to be garbage. Okay. It's not going to last. You might get lucky one or two times, but in the long run, you're not going to be able to do the things that you want to do. Okay. So that's where the breath really comes in is because it's such a fundamental thing to our existence. And so many people are assuming that they are just doing it perfect, right? I mean you do it every day. You do it from minute number one when you're born, but that doesn't mean that you're getting everything out of it that you can. And that right there is where we often get wrong get the framework of performance wrong. And you know if, if you don't believe me, just look at just go on Instagram, put it in the hashtag fitness. Right? And ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of the content that you're gonna find on there is going to be absolute garbage. That they're saying, Hey, you need to do this to make yourself better at you know, you have a, a better butt or um to make your your 40 times better. They're gonna say you need to do this thing when there's absolutely zero discussion on everything that you should have been doing, you know, in the weeks and the months before to be able to perform like that person who has this perfectly curated one minute video showing you how that they have achieved success with this one thing. Okay. We have to take it back and reassess the framework that we're approaching performance at, because breathing lies at the center or the foundation of that framework and if we don't have that down then everything else that we're doing we're not going to be getting as much out of it as we could we're not going to get the return on the investment that we're making that we could be getting okay so let's let's talk about this right um there's a really cool story and this is kind of exposed a little bit of my nerdy side here uh i was i was the kid that like my when I was, when I was younger, my parents, they, they worked quite a bit. And so when I would get home from school, um, if I wasn't playing around doing something, I would usually watch the history channel, right? So I would watch the history channel. And then when an advertisement would come on, I'd flip it over to Nickelodeon and I'd watch like Fairy Godparents, Fairly Fairly Odd Parents. That's what it was. Fairly odd parents or Spongebob or something, right? That that's kind of what I would do. And then I'd go back when I thought the commercial was over on the History Channel and, and I'd watch it. So I'd watch I'd watch these weird documentaries and like sock factories and um, like the history of peanut butter, mayonnaise, sandwiches, which I I was thing, super weird, right? But there was something that really made me think about breathwork, you know. Retrospectively, think about like the fundamentals. And there was a thing about uh, when they built Sears Tower, which apparently is the Willis Tower now. I had no idea; it's been called that for like a decade. Who knew, right? I guess I haven't been watching the History Channel very often anymore. Um, but when when they built the the Sears Tower, I'm just gonna call it the Sears Tower. I don't want to call it the Willis Tower. When they built the Sears Tower. Um, you know, for a long time, they're like, you can't build one of these big skyscrapers in Chicago because there's there's no bedrock. There's no way to build a sure foundation for these absolutely massive, heavy structures. Okay, like you, you can't do it. So they, they just put it off for a long time. It's like, we can't build that kind of building here in Chicago because it's just not safe. It, it won't last. That investment will be Lost and it's just not going to be safe for the people who who are around. Well, I guess I should have looked up this dude's name. I can't remember what his name is. Um, what they did was that they had to create a new type of foundation. Okay, and this foundation uh, ended up being a hundred feet deep of concrete. It's just a big concrete structure, and then around the perimeter of that, there's two hundred of these. Um, what are those? Shape called a like cylinder, like a cylindrical tube thing that goes down another hundred feet and burrows into the bedrock. Okay, so instead of saying like, "Oh, we just can't do it because there's not enough bedrock here; there's not a stable foundation for us to build the structure that we want to build," is they went looking for it until they hit it. Okay, they they actually did the work that was necessary to ensure that this. Astronomical investment that they were going to that they were going to make was going to going to last and it was going to be safe and it was going to be something that they could be proud of. Okay, and so the Sears Tower is a hundred and ten stories and it was the tallest building from 1973 until 1998. It was one thousand four hundred and fifty feet tall and then there's the antennas on top of it's like another three hundred feet something like that. But it took 76,000 tons of steel. Like I can't even mac, wrap my mind around what 76,000 tons of steel, like if you just made a pile of it. I have no idea what that would even look like. I can't even comprehend. But the combined weight of the building is 222,500 tons. I'm going to say that again, 222,500 tons, okay? Okay. There's a building that heavy in a place that for years was assumed that you just couldn't build a building like that. And it, it was the tallest building in the world for what was it? From 70 where's my note? 73 to 98. That's insane. And then now it's the twelfth tallest building in the world. It's still I mean that's that's a uh, that's nothing to be ashamed of. And it they did it, right? They they went searching for the foundation. And when they found it, they were able to do the thing that they wanted to do. They were able to build this incredible structure. And I thought this was awesome, uh, is that the average sway <clears throat> for this building is six inches. Six. Are you kidding me? They built this building in a place that should it shouldn't have been able to, been built, to be built, and it only sways six inches inches off of center i mean can you say the same about yourself and your performance can you say the same about your consistency in the things that you're doing in the pursuit of your goals right i mean like that sways that's that's insane that they were able to get it that secure in such terrible conditions And I mean, really like that's, that's the proposition that I am making as I'm sitting here trying to, to get you to really dig deeper and dive down this rabbit hole of the breath with me is that you can get that extra hundred feet. You can add your own 200 cylinders that burrow down into the bedrock to shore up your performance. To make sure that you are getting the return on your investment and you're doing it safely, and that you're getting absolutely everything out of the time and the energy and the money that you invest in your goals, in the pursuits of the things that you want to do. It's like, all right, that's all fine and good, right? I mean, like, this is me here talking about about a building right and people aren't buildings and that's absolutely true and so another example of this which i find absolutely fascinating and it's one of those things it's like it's not a secret everybody knows this but it gets overlooked all the time i mean it's the thing that i see probably more than any other fault when it comes to people that end up having you know, lower extremity injuries or pain, discomfort, that they're just not up to par to where they feel like they should or need to be. And it's that they lack dorsiflexion in their ankles. Are you kidding me? It's like this is the most simple, simple problem and not terribly difficult to fix uh, or to address most of the time. I mean, it takes it takes some time to do it, but it's not, it's not rocket science, right? I mean, and dorsiflexion, in case you're wondering, is... The ability to pull your toes up towards your shin right so it's it's closing that angle between your foot and your shin okay and just a quick little i guess anatomy precursor here is that um you know the ankle it's a very mobile joint it has a lot of degrees of freedom it can move in a lot of different directions and so the next joint on top of it the knee it's depends on the fact that the ankle's doing its job because it doesn't have a lot of degrees of freedom. It flexes and it extends. That's about it. Okay, so if the ankle's not doing what it's supposed to do, then the knee's gotta take up the slack or the hip. And you know it's just a lot of times it just ends up being this big problem uh child, I guess, for a lot of people because they don't have the the mobility that they need to perform well in their sports so they start compensating right if i am an olympic weightlifter and i don't have the dorsiflexion that i need i'm not gonna be able to catch a snatch down in the bottom right i mean that's why you have weightlifting shoes partially for that mobility um but if if my mobility isn't good like it doesn't matter how strong my legs are it doesn't matter how strong my shoulders are it doesn't matter how fast i am eventually something is going to break down something is going to erode right if if i don't have that dorsiflexion that means probably i'm, I'm gonna have knees caving when i when i catch in that bottom position okay you're, you're not able to get in the position as you should and so your body's going to compensate it's going to take the path of least resistance because there's literally not a sure foundation in the foot in the dorsiflexion of the ankle to do the job that it's supposed to be doing in that situation okay same thing um for people that are changing directions a lot in their sports right so soccer um rugby some football stuff like that if you don't have that full range of motion in the ankle this knees and hips they get beat up and it's just because they're trying to take up the slack because the ankle's not doing its job. It's not meeting the demands of the sport. It's not meeting the demands of the person who's in pursuit of their performance, but it gets neglected because it's not sexy to address, right? I mean, like, okay, you you want want to get stronger? You need to, um, you know, increase the strength in your post your chain because blah, 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 XYZ, right? Let's do some deadlifts. Oh, yeah, by the way, you can put that bending bar from your deadlifts on Instagram and everybody's going to love it. Right. Same thing. You're doing power cleans. It's gonna look so good. Increasing your range of motion on your dorsiflexion. It doesn't look fun, and it's not sexy. It's super boring, and it takes time. But it's absolutely going to do more to keep you safe than trying to just strengthen the compensations that you might be. Um, building on otherwise if you don't have that full range okay that's the way that the breath works it's the same concept for both of these things it's something that gets ignored so often and taken for granted because we do it so much right over twenty thousand times a day how could you possibly screw it up well there's a lot of ways you can screw it up Uh, And we're not going to get into all those today. We've talked about them before. But what we are going to get into is some of the numbers. Because, I mean, yeah, you need that dorsiflexion for basically every single athletic endeavor. And, you know, walking up and down the stairs for that matter. But you need to be breathing and breathing well for absolutely everything in your life. And if you want to perform better at your sport, then you definitely absolutely have to be addressing the way that you're breathing i mean this i i can't hammer this home anymore like you absolutely have to every single cell in your body is dependent on your ability not only to pull air in but to process it to utilize the oxygen and to expel you know the 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 waste products and so there's there's no reason that this shouldn't be at the center of your thought processes and your decision making when you're deciding what you need to do to get you to, to that next level, to get you to that next step, to get you closer to performing in the way that you want and can perform. Because odds are the way that you're actually using oxygen, the way that you're pulling it into your body isn't very good. Okay, and here, case in point, okay? Super cool study they did on elite rugby players, okay? So we're talking top of the food chain, all right? A lot of times in uh, respiratory research, they're like, okay, well, we did this thing with these people who have emphysema, or we did this thing with these people who have cystic fibrosis, and it helped them a lot, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And this breath work Absolutely is going to help people who are in that situation. But it gets discounted because those probably aren't the same people who are who are chasing um really high-level fitness goals, right? But these people in this study, they're you know elite rugby players, professional rugby players that are absolutely killing it, and they got them to do this study. It was really cool. So it was just it was for a month and they had them do apnea sprints, okay? Um, and they did this twice a week, and what they did was before they started with the study, because they had this, this team, this group, and what they did is they, they timed their 40-meter sprint, okay? They timed it. They had them do it a few times. They did this with, with electronic timers, and they found out what you know, their average top speed was, okay? And at, when they tested them after, After they found what this top speed was, they had them run, and they had to uh, maintain above. I can't remember if it's eighty or eighty-five percent. I have to double check on that one. But they had to be at eighty or eighty-five percent or above of their maximum speed. Okay, and when they dropped below that speed, then they were done. Okay, because they wanted to see how long they could maintain that um, that really explosive power. Okay, and so that's that's what they did, and they divided them up into these two groups. They had the control group, and they had them do the same exact protocol as uh, the experiment group, but they didn't have them do any apnea component. And so what that means is, the experiment group, they had to hold their breath on an exhale. Okay, so they took a couple breaths and they pushed the air out. (sighs) Once they pushed the air out, they had to run the sprint okay and they did this for you know x amount of reps they did it twice a week and each training session they just added one one extra sprint right and they did the same same exact um running protocol in the control group okay and they had some pretty profound results i thought this was awesome and after that four weeks, what ended up happening is the apnea group, okay, these people that they they were doing the same exact training, okay, so all of the training that they did um, besides the, the sprint was exactly the same, okay, they, they were on a team, they were practicing the same drills, they were going through, everything else was the same, and then they were actually doing the same sprints, just the breath hold was different. Okay, the control group they improved by six percent. So that translated to them being it was a little bit less than one, but about being able to maintain that eighty to eighty-five percent range for about one more interval than they did than they were able to at the beginning of the month. Okay, the other ones, the uh, the experiment group, they improved it. I wait for it. Wait. okay that's six intervals it was about six intervals like 5.9 something six intervals that is insane okay these people who they're at the top of the food chain like I said and they have they're so deep into adaptation so deep into adaptation that you know you don't see those type of gains in anything when you're at that level right they're they're the ones that they're dialing in the 1% you know all of these different little teeny tiny variables to get them to be better to get that little tiny edge and they improved by 64% can you imagine a team that you had played a month earlier and you beat them by you know, like one point or something right it was a close game and you came back and everyone on that team was able was 60 was able to play at a threshold above 80 85 percent of their max effort for 64 percent longer you'd get crushed like absolutely crushed if that game was close the first time around okay and all right okay so like i said these guys are elite right and Like I said, they're really far, they're really deep into adaptation. So that means that, you know, like for you and me, we should get even better results out of that, but I know like, there's going to be some people out there like, yeah, well, but they're professionals and they were blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Whatever this other one, this is super cool too. They did a running study. Okay. And all they had them do was breathe through their nose. Okay. And this was a long study. This was a really long study. So I'm surprised they were able to get somebody to do this, but. They had them breathe through their nose. They were just recreational runners. Okay, Joe Schmo. They was like, yeah, okay, I'll do this. I'll do this study. And they just had them breathe through their nose for six months while they were running. That was it. That's all they had to do. Just breathe through their nose, nothing else. And they reduced their minute ventilation by 20%. So what that means in English is they took 20% less breaths every single minute. So if they were taking 10 breaths a minute, they end up taking eight, which is like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. What, I mean like, what does that translate to? What that translates to is that if you are working at a high level, right? So that you are putting in a lot of work, a lot of exertion, then 20% of your mechanical expenditure is actually going, To pulling air into your body, to breathing, okay, to your diaphragm contracting and then the accessory muscles helping to move the ribs so that you're getting air into your body. And so, if you are able to cut that amount by 20%, that's a huge chunk of energy that you just got back just because they were breathing out of their nose. Right, I mean, like that's insane because people are like, oh, I can't breathe out of my nose; I'm going too hard. It's like, all right, if you can't breathe out of your nose, you you better be at a hundred percent, because if not, you're hurting your performance. Okay, and and the science is there. It's not this; it's not just me being like, okay, here's this thing. I want people to breathe out of their nose, and then I'm gonna be able to sell them this program because it's going to make me somebody. Like that's not it. The science is there. You know, the anecdotal evidence in my own life is there as well as the people that I've worked with. It makes an absolutely huge difference. And you can, I mean, you have these tools and it's not like I'm trying to get you to buy this. It's not like I'm selling a Boflex or something stupid, right? I'm just trying to get you to breathe different, to be a little bit more intentional with the way that you're pulling the air into your body and the way that you're processing it because your breath truly is your most fundamental movement pattern. And it shapes the lens that you experience your life through because it's so closely tied to your nervous system, right? I mean, like people pay tons of money. They they go to different countries to have these experiences with like these different substances, they go on like uh, like ayahuasca retreats and stuff. And you're know, like, that's great. That's cool. Whatever. But you have so many tools to influence the way that you're feeling and the way that you're performing that are built in that you just have to learn how to do it. And if you're willing to invest that effort, then you're not going to have to be dependent on anyone to access that space to access that ability to improve your performance to access that space to feel the way that you need to feel so that you can show up for your friends for your family for your team and it's through your breath right and i'm not saying it's a panacea it's not going to solve all your problems it's not going to put more money in your bank account and less winning puts money in your bank account in that case it absolutely can put money in your bank account but it can shift your perspective and shift your paradigm and get so much more return on the investment that you're putting in to chasing the performance that you want and you really that's that's why i'm here that's that's the puzzle piece that that i am that i fit in my clients lives is helping them to do this better and to reap a consistent return on the huge time and mental and emotional investment that they make on chasing their goals and if you can't tell i'm pretty passionate about you know giving this power to people giving them the, the power that are helping them really to understand that they have this power and they can access it and that it's not complicated and it's takes some intention, but that's, that's it. Some intention and you have some intention if you're willing to put some attention on something as simple as your breath. And you know, that's, that's all I got for you today. You know, I just, that's it. Your breath is your foundation and that's what your performance is built off of. So center your framework on it. If you want help with that, then let me know. You can sign up for the breathwork template if you just wanna get your feet wet and see what it's like and see if it's actually going to move the needle for you. Or if you wanna sign up for some one-on-one coaching, whether that's in person or, or distance, let me know. That's what I'm here for. That's the puzzle piece that I am for your performance. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and I hope you keep breathing and that you do it really, really well and that you go on to itunes or stitcher or whatever it is that you're listening to this podcast and you leave me an awesome review that would be super appreciated so yeah thanks for spending some time with me and i hope you have an awesome day